0: He figured out that 90% of the decisions we make around money and personal finance are based on emotion. And I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, no way. There's no way that 90% of my decisions are, are emotional, but they are for sure.
1: Welcome to the Wealth Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson, and per usual, I am joined by Rachel Sass. Rachel, how are you?
0: I'm
2: good. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. Uh, you know, we, uh, of course, got out all of the holiday decorations, and I was conscripted into moving boxes, and then after that, um, I was shown out of the room so that I wouldn't ruin the decorating. Aww. Like I, I've, no, I feel like I did a good job. I did the thing that I do. <laughs>
2: getting boxes down <laughs>
1: I the boxes down and I put them back up too. I did both. I went, I went down and up
0: That's and, they, uh, and all
1: the decorations got put up and everybody seems very happy and nobody seems grumpy that my input was not uh, received on any of the decorating style placements, theme, <laughs> none of that.
2: Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe next year you could try and put in a little theme or something or do, do you want to have input? How about that? No. No. Okay. Well, just stick to what you're doing then. You're doing great.
1: Yeah. And a healthy amount of separation is good.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's that's the way I play it.
2: Yeah. You're doing better than us. So we got the Christmas decorations down two weeks ago. But what we do is like we, we do it in phases. So like we have our tree up, we have the tree decorated but we still have some boxes up in the attic, like the ones we didn't need right away, like gift wrapping. But now I have gifts coming in, and so now I need my gift wrapping. We don't have the outside lights up, so we have all that in the garage. So our garage is basically half full. There's still stuff in the attic. It's just a mess. So our, our to-do list this weekend is to finish it all up, get the outside lights up, get the rest of the house up, we'll be good to go.
1: Yeah, well, good luck. That does sound like a weekend project.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah, definitely. The one thing I wanted to do this year was get a real garland because we have a fake tree this year and normally we always get real trees and I miss the smell of a real tree. So I thought, okay, well, let's supplement with a real garland. I cannot find a real garland place, like a good one, not some little rink-a-dink looking thing. And that, I don't know if I'm going to be able to achieve that this year now. We'll see.
1: You're going to have to, you're going to have to make your own probably. Oh gosh. (laughs) So um, let me recommend a really cool website. It's uh, google.com. Go <laughs> google.com, and then you type in make real garland, how, and I think you'll find some instructions there.
2: Really? It's yep. on there? So. Huh? I okay.
1: So. <laughs> I'm glad I could help.
2: They, thank you so much for your help. <laughs> You've been so very helpful in this process.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, nobody can see the actual hate that is is coming from uh, <laughs> Rachel's eyes right now. Uh, well, I thought uh, today we would talk about personal finance, why people are not good at it, how people can get much better at it. I didn't think there'd be anybody better to do that with than my friend, George Grombacher. George is a financial advisor, a podcaster, an Investopedia, top 100 financial advisor, he writes and speaks and is everywhere, it seems, and I'm very, very pleased to have you on the show. So thank you, George, for joining us.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to be here, and I can confirm that uh, on Google, you can find by typing in Make Real Garland How, <laughs> looks, 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 looks like some great YouTube videos. So Brent, it's not just taking down boxes and putting them back up. You're also helpful here. Nice, nice. I've got the technological chops to get it done.
1: <laughs> There's actually So, um, and I don't know if, uh, if you recall this history, George, but when you and I first met, uh, I was working at Snell and Wilmer, you were working at mass mutual, I believe. And then not too long after we first met, you jumped out of, I was going to say jump ship, but that's not quite right. But you jumped out of uh, mass mutual to kind of do your own thing. I like to believe, or I have been leading myself to believe, that I ran you out of the business. Okay, that's that's what I've been telling myself because the you, timing seemed like it.
0: Do you <laughs> do you feel that, that that that's that that's serving and benefiting you?
1: <laughs> I don't I don't know that it did. I don't know that it did necessarily, but because uh, it it's like
0: totally it was- fine. I I I am not going to stop or try to dissuade you from that. Nice. Um, yeah, because if that's you know if that's something that's of value, well then 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 keep it going. Yeah, Rachel, that. does does uh, Brent talk about that? Does he like you know what we're going to have this George Grumbacher guy on? He's experiencing some success, and I am wholly responsible for it.
2: You know, he's mentioned it a couple times actually. <laughs> like right before we jumped on, and you know he was, we were talking about what we're going to say, and, and it, talking about you. Yeah, he mentioned it just a few times.
1: Yeah, thank George you, Grumbacher. For not- Thank you for not Only. tagging on it, and it's getting annoying to that.
2: <laughs> well, I was going to say that when we're not recording, you
1: know,
2: that's <laughs> like off off record.
1: Well, uh, again, we're glad to have you on. So, uh, why don't you give us at least a, a big picture view of of your take on why are people so bad at personal finance?
0: Why are people bad at money? Why are we bad at personal finance? I think that we can all agree that, that, that the answer is, is yes, at least for half of us, right? If half of us are living paycheck to paycheck, that means that half of us are broke, which, which, which is a big bummer, and there's a million different reasons probably for that. I think that if I were to point to one thing, it's probably credit. I, I, I did a podcast episode recently about the worst thing in the world, and I came down that, that it was credit. Um used to be that, that we could run out of money, right? But now we can no longer run out of money. We can just keep spending and keep consuming and keep consuming. And when we're surrounded by these wealth signals all over the place, used to be keeping up with the Joneses. Now it's the Kardashians and it's, it's big houses and Escalades and, and, and and more and more lifestyle and more and more ways to consume stuff. And again, now that we've removed the barrier of running out of money, um, I think that, that those are a lot of the key areas And then you look at an entire generation of poor young people that we've saddled with debt uh, in in the form of just skyrocketing education costs. And then we gave them credit to go ahead and consume all that education. And I can't even imagine, can y'all imagine graduating from law school now in this environment or really over the past however many years it's been or an MBA program or even just undergrad and looking around and like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Are, are, are there opportunities? Um, am I going to be able to, to, to manage all this debt? So I think that those are, I mean, and then there's a million different resources and options for doing financial stuff. And sometimes I think that we probably have decision fatigue and that just causes us to, to really do nothing. So,
1: So basically everything, our entire environment is built in a way to incentivize behavior that is destructive to personal finance
0: yes and it's all jeff bezos's fault <laughs> yeah.
1: i'm sure he won't mind to take the blame uh, in in his current position as the richest person in the world so it seems yeah, it yeah, seems probably like not. sometimes there's just a, a a lack perhaps of uh pers- of uh, perspective on kind of where you fit in the world and and not having enough of a, a proper view of where you are, you know. If you, I think statistically, if you earn somewhere around one hundred thousand dollars in the U.S., you're in the top eighty-five percentile of the country. And then you apply that to the world; you know, you're still in a very, very top percentile in the entire world of all the people in the world. So you, you know, you say one person with a pretty decent job making hundred thousand dollars, or two people combined making hundred thousand dollars, you're actually doing really, really well. And yet everything around us seems to be telling us, no, you have to be spending more. You have to be trying to get more. You have to be doing more. You have to be buying more. You have to be getting more in debt in order to do, to reach some extra level that somehow you're deficient, even though you're in the top 85 percentile of the country, which is the richest country that's ever existed on the planet.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, right? And I totally agree. I think that perspective is one of those things that it's, 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 it's hard to get and it's harder still to keep. And I think that at some level, almost every problem is probably a perspective problem, right? It's like, oh my gosh, this is awful. This is the biggest problem. Is it really the biggest problem and the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Maybe not. I think something like half the world's population lives on less than five bucks a day, Brent. I think, you know, so if you're making 50 grand a year, you are wealthy in in, in context of, of the world. So, totally agree. Uh, I think if we're able to shift our perspective or revisit it as frequently as possible, and depending on what your situation is, revisit it. Uh, I think that that's a very, very healthy thing. Um, it, it, I think it's 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 really hard when we are young, and when I say we, I mean me, because I fell into all these traps also in in my twenties. I wanted to to be a social person and, and meet other people. Uh, so I spent a lot of money on, on clothes and cars and going out and, and happy hour and you name it and got myself into debt. And so it's not, a, it's not uncommon, it's, it's very easy to do. In fact, I think it's crazy. It's, it's, it's harder to not do that than it is to do that, which is why we find ourselves in the position that we're in. But I, like, like a lot of people, have been able to reverse that. To actually change behaviors and to recognize that that this is not a sustainable, this is not a, a, this is not the right path to be on. But I think one of the big problems that, that that people are facing right now is that they find themselves in the position where their lifestyle is 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 too high. It's not really giving them the life that they want. But the thought of taking a step back to take bigger steps forward is unpalatable. They don't want to take on that kind of scrutiny from their social network or their friends to say, oh, George, how come you bought a smaller house and you're not driving a Mercedes anymore? And whatever it is, they're 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 not willing to accept that pain and discomfort.
2: I couldn't agree more. Uh, George, have you ever heard of the term Henry to describe a, a younger person? So, uh-huh. so Brett and I have talked about it. I, I learned about this word, gosh, earlier this year, and I just thought it was hilarious, but it. It really does describe a lot of the younger population so Henry meaning high earner not rich yet and I think that really does describe you know you think of a lot of students who are coming out of some type of you know postgraduate so an MBA program law school medical school they're coming out with lots of debt they're making a good amount of money you know you have that over a hundred thousand dollar income so really you're doing well but when you're saddled with a thousand two thousand dollar a month student loan payment you know, that kind of brings it down a bit. And then I feel like it it goes to your point exactly on, you know, you finally have gotten out of that, that, you know, student program, and now you're free and you've got a lot of money. So let's buy the fancy car. Let's let's go out to all the fancy restaurants. And now you've created that social status that you've lived it for a little bit while. Now you realize, uh uh-oh, the bills are starting to stack up. This isn't really working with my income now. How do I bring it down? But I feel like once you've got kind of like the taste of it, it, it's exactly to your point that it's harder to go back down. You're like, oh, how do I give up HBO and Stars and Hulu like and just get the one instead? So it's, it's a really hard balancing act. How would you recommend someone who you know, is in that position, they wanna start taking a different perspective, how would you recommend they start taking those steps?
0: Yeah, amen to all that. <laughs> and it, it's, it, it's incredibly hard, uh, first and foremost. And the 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 path forward and the way out of that trap is is difficult. Same as anything that's 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 really worth doing. And you know, I spent a couple of minutes there just talking about just kind of America in general or probably a lot of parts of the world in general, but we actually drill down to individuals who are experiencing what you just described, that's that's when you need to sort of roll up your sleeves and Talk about your perspective, but really think about okay, what does how how do I really want to live? What do I want my life to look like? Do I want to constantly be worrying about money? And because money is the number one cause of stress for for Americans. And that's because they're in the position that you just described. And so it really is a matter of of, of doing this internal work and, and and looking at and exploring all the different aspects of our life. That are important to us. So it's our family. What is most important to me? What do I want my family life to look like? I want to have one kid. I want to have five kids. All of those decisions um, go carry with them a lot of financial consequences. You know, the place we want to live, the size house that we want to live in, the things we want to do, all of our hobbies, um, our community involvement. What what kind of ties do I want to have? The kind of people that I want to spend my time with. My my career. Do I want a high-powered law job like y'all have, where I'm working? Um, and I'm, I'm this is tongue-in-cheek. Do 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 I want to be climbing the corporate ladder where I'm working hundred hours a week? Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Do I want to, you know, be in a position where I'm saving money? Do I want to be able to retire? Um, so, I mean, these are all the things you need to deeply explore personally, and then with your loved ones, and then look at what it is that you're doing. And do these things line up? And odds are, the answer is going to be no. You know, maybe when you're 25, but when you're 35, okay, here I am. Now I'm servicing all this debt. Is this, is this how I want to live? And then it's a matter of making really, really, really hard decisions um, and interrogating that reality. So, you know, hey, this is not going the way that I want. And then and then experiencing that pain that that, that we were talking about. So... I think that, that that all important financial decisions are oftentimes going to be very, very difficult and trade-offs and sacrifices are going to need to be made. Dave Ramsey talks about live like nobody else now so you can live like nobody else later. And that's 100% right. Um, and figuring out how to get out of debt and figuring out how to get to more of a debt-free lifestyle. Um, so sort of rambled on there, but it's, it, it, I, I don't, there's, there's not a sexy answer to that question other than just you, 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 you got to do the work and ask yourself those questions. If, is what I'm doing, you know, is, is this life the life that I really want? Cause we got one crack at this, right? Nobody's getting any younger.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like the idea is you pick the outcome that you want and then you try to reverse back into that, you know, look, look, reverse engineer what am I doing? What is, what are my finances doing? Do they, do they lead to that result? If the answer is no, then you got to make some corrections so that then you get to the result that you wanted. And, 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 you know, that correction piece it sounds like that's there could be some pain points in there, but I don't think that necessarily is, is the outcome. If that makes sense. I don't think the outcome is you reverse into the thing that you wanted and now you're just living painfully. So can, can you, Maybe talk a little bit about the idea of once you, once you can kind of get through those pain points, actually, it's liberating to be in, in a much more controlled uh, position vis-a-vis your personal finances.
0: Yeah, I think that that's really well said right there. It's just like anything else. I think that there's such great parallels between your physical health and your financial health, right? It's like if you're overweight and, and, and you're not exercising, well, it's going to hurt, Right. It's going to mean you're probably going to have to get up earlier. It's going to mean you're going to have to exercise, either start doing cardio, start lifting, start changing your diet, stop drinking as much. All those things are, are, are pretty lousy and that initial hump tough to get over, but then all of a sudden you're running downhill. I mean, if you've ever paid off a debt, if you've ever paid off a credit card, you, you are, or opened up an investment account and started investing. I mean, it's this momentum thing. It's this confidence thing. I'm a huge fan of self-determination theory. I think that uh, when I discovered it, it was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I've been thinking about and talking about my whole life. I just never had a word for it. So we as human beings need to have competence. So I I need to have skill and I need to know and understand these things. So if I'm broke, if I'm living in debt and I have no idea what steps I need to take, if I have no idea what it means to invest or or what kind of a plan I should put together to pay off credit card debt, well then I'm probably never going to do it, right? Or I can use my Google machine like we were talking about earlier and start to educate myself a little bit. And then the, the, the second thing is, is autonomy and just understanding that, that this is really up to me and I am in a position, I have agency, where I can start making these changes in my life. I am not a victim and there's a, probably a ton of people out there that are not in a position where they feel like they can make changes. Maybe they're they maybe they're in a relationship where they feel they can't make changes, or their family uh, is 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 holding them to, um, you know, this family are 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 are, are all doctors, or we're, we're 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 all lawyers, or this is what we do on Sunday, whatever. You know, these are all the things I was talking about. It's like you need to really examine how you want to live your life, and are you in a position where you feel like you can make these changes? And then the third piece that I think is so key to helping us actually get there is relatedness and that goes to community. So are there people around me sort of the opposite of the negative influences I was just talking about that, 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 that want to see me do well that have a track record of success or are just there for me to help me get my butt out of bed in the morning and to exercise or to help me stop smoking or to help me, you know, pay off credit card debt and to help me start saving money and really start, Some more positive kinds of behaviors, you know, you you, you look at why organizations like like Weight Watchers and CrossFit and AA, Alcoholics Anonymous are successful is that there's great resources and information, but then you marry that with a supportive and positive community that can call you out on your BS when you need to be called out on it or to pick you up when you slip up and, and make a mistake. And it really kind of combines those three things, the autonomy, the, um, the, the competence piece, and then the relatedness, which is that community. So the more that we can do that and feel like we're part of a community that's moving in the right direction, I think that that's when we're really setting ourselves up for success. And that's when we're getting through that initial pain of changing lifestyle and and, and making changes, and then to really keep it going and to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Say, okay, you know, the first couple of pounds are falling off, or I I just paid off a credit card. This is amazing, and I just opened my 401k, and, and I'm putting... You know, 3% it and now I have a $1,000 and now it's $2,000. Awesome. I'm actually an investor. So yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's all those things. It's, it's perspective where I was, you know, two months ago, six months ago, a year from now or, or a year ago and where I am now. So
2: I love that. And so question then. So when someone's first starting out, you know, they're getting past those initial pain points, or maybe they, they passed the first one, we got two credit cards paid off. And like you said, they've got the ball rolling, they're really confident now they want to keep it going. At what point would you say someone can continue doing it themselves, you know, kind of a little DIY person googling, how do I do you know, how do I invest things like that, versus when is the point that they should get a professional advisor in to come and help them keep the ball rolling?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't know that there's ever a time when somebody really needs a professional advisor, uh, in terms of financial, uh, if you are somebody who can and does, uh, go and, and, and learn and, and acquire new information and then put it to work. Um, well then by all means do that. I find that it, there, there, there is so much complexity, um, in the arena of, 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 of personal finance that there is value in engaging with somebody to just put it all together. Um, how do I think about how much I should have as an emergency fund? How do I set up my budget? Okay. I, 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 I sort of got that online and I've got my 401k and I think I've got enough life insurance, um, but it's just all those moving parts. Um, I, I do think that there is value a lot of the time to have somebody come in and just give it a quick look and say, yep, this is this this is great. You've got your robo advisor, you've got your 401k, your of credit card debt, you've got some life insurance. I think that uh, always value in, in in another set of eyes, but these days it's certainly not I I, I don't think it's required. Um, but I, I appreciate the question very much. Um so that's just gonna be personal preference where I think spending a little bit of time with somebody that can get you that 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 roadmap and 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 to help you be confident and okay these are the steps i need to take this is what i should do first this is what i should do second this is what i should have inside my 401k there's 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 immense value there so
1: yeah it it may be that's yeah, i think you're right i think it's a first of all it's very nuanced and it's person to person individual and it depends on everybody's circumstances but it could be as little as you just need somebody to kind of show you the road and then you can travel the road it may be that you need somebody to not only show you the road, but literally hold your hand at every step down the road. Some people have that relationship with money because not everybody's relationship with money is is the same. And for some people, money is is so stressful they just sort of seize up uh, when they're dealing with it. So they need somebody who will hold their hand and show them step by step what to do. And then you know there are people in the middle. Yeah, and it, a thousand percent. It, it's interesting. Um, you know, our in our business and our sort of professional life, our clients are very well off. Money in reality is not an issue for them in terms of having enough money. Uh, they have plenty of money. But a lot of these stressors, a lot of these issues, a lot of these concerns that we're talking about still exist. And I, I think, I theorize that it's just because the, this human element and how people actually emotionally attach themselves to money and finances is, if not innate, it's just a very human thing. And so it doesn't matter how much is in the pot, you're going to have a similar reaction and a similar emotional reaction. And you kind of have to understand that you are having a human emotional reaction to the wealth or the money and then figure out, okay, that's what's happening. Then how do I kind of live my life under those circumstances? Or how do I kind of control those emotional responses so they I can have a healthy relationship with this wealth or money.
0: Yeah. Daniel Kahneman in his book, thinking fast and slow and all of his research, he, he, he won the Nobel prize for it. He figured out that 90% of the decisions we make around money and personal finance are based on emotion. And I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, no way. There's no way that 90% of my decisions are, are emotional, but they are for sure. You know? Uh, and so just being mindful of that. And once, once you do recognize, wow, the way that my brain works, the way that deals with money, it's the same part of my brain that deals with, you know, mortal danger. So when I see my stock market or see my account value go down, my brain's like, ah, sell everything, uh, get away. But then just in in dealing with kids and money, um, it is in, in family members and money and career, everything you were just talking about, it's so incredibly emotional and it's so supercharged. And so, yeah, you can be Jeff Jeff Bezos, right? Um, I have no idea what he's got going on, but I'm sure he's got the same or similar kind of money issues with his family um, that uh, that everybody else does. So it's just just different perspectives and, and 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 levels to all of it. And those are you know compelling reasons when you are in a situation where there are a lot of assets and and there's a lot of feelings and 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 messiness. That's where obviously folks work with you is to help navigate that and. You know, I, I think that 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 boundaries and parameters are such an important thing that that's why people should budget, right? So I I know if I'm on the right track, but then also, you know, I'm not going to give my 15 year old kid or my 18 18- or 25 year old kid 10 million dollars because that's probably not a very good idea either. So I mean, there's just so many different things to be thinking about, taking into consideration. Uh, just a word on the sort of circle back on Rachel's questions about a professional advisor. There's so many different kinds of financial people out there these days. Um, so many different kinds. There's financial coaches. There's, there's insurance people. And you know, I used to be one of those. Uh, there's, there's, there's fee-only financial advisors. There's fiduciary financial advisors. There's certified financial planners. And, and oh my goodness. So what in the world does all that mean? If I were in your shoes and in, in listening to this or watching it or however you're consuming it, and you're in the market for financial advice I would speak with a fiduciary fee-only financial advisor. Fiduciary simply means that the advisor is legally obligated to act in your best interest. Fee-only means that they're not motivated by commission. So you don't need to worry about them trying to sell you some kind of a product, and that's how they're going to make money. So that is just to kind of close that loop right there. So fiduciary fee-only advisor, and then ask them, how do you make money? How do you get paid? How much does this cost? Because that person will be very well-versed and comfortable having that conversation with you, they should know, or you should know how much everybody's getting paid, how much your investments cost. And that's also a very empowering thing as well so that you can feel like, okay, I can call up Sally and we can have a conversation and I understand that she's going to be giving me advice that's purely what she thinks is best for me.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good uh, follow-up on that question because you're absolutely right. The the financial advisory industry and the types of individuals who are in the industry who call themselves financial advisors or some variation of that is such a wide spectrum. I think people get lost in the weeds and they are not sure where they are and who it is that they're talking to. And, and they assume, I think, most people assume that all financial advisors are out to help them, right? They're out to help the clients. And that may be true to an extent across the board, but when you have... Uh, incentives to do things that benefit the advisor much more than the client in terms of whether or not that thing is in the best interests of the client, like commissions on proprietary products or company products, um, then you get slightly different outcomes. That's just human nature. You know, if you incentivize a behavior, you're going to get the behavior. So if a, a financial advisor is being paid a commission to sell certain types of products, guess what? They're going to think that's a great product for their clients
0: Hammer in search of nail. Yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Got this hammer. Got to find something to hit with. <laughs> Doesn't mean they're bad people. No, just no, no. Follow, you just got to follow the money. Or maybe, yep. it, may, maybe it does. It means they're bad people. They're the people that they don't just take the boxes down and put them back up. They also want to put all the Christmas decorations up however they want. <laughs> they're not interested in other families' input. I'm going to do this how I want Right. Exactly.
1: I Those knew there'd be an things. analogy in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, you know, and then talking about kind of the, the emotional responses and budgeting. And, and I think people have a, a negative view of budgeting. But to me, the way I kind of frame it for myself, just so I personally understand it, is I think of budgeting as this is the way that I can kind of short circuit those emotional responses, because if I have a budget and I and I know kind of mechanically this is where the money is going to go, this is sort of the order of priority and on where the money is going to go month to month, then it takes that emotional element off the table because I'm not making an emotional decision now. I've already made the objective, rational decision for me. So in the moment, all I need to do is follow the plan. I don't need to come up with a new emotional response to the situation.
0: Amen. I think that's really well said right there. And what a wonderful reason for, for having a budget, you know, protects us from, from, from ourselves. Right. And then, you know, perhaps you, you, you can tell me if you think that this is true, I think it's also a lot of people find it to be empowering that I, I just know that everything that that I'm doing is actually tracking to help me get to whatever those goals and priorities are. It's like, I, w- I want to be able to retire or I want to be able to buy a home or help my kids with college or leave them money, whatever those objectives are, knowing that my spending and my consumption is aligned to all of that. And, and again, to your point, it really mo- it, it removes the emotions. So, yeah.
1: And if, if you've reversed into an outcome that you're looking for, so let's say it's retirement. Okay. So I you know, I want to retire. It's going to be in 15, 20 years what you're really playing with at that point to get to that outcome is extra money, you know, cause presumably you have income coming in or some source of income coming in, you're paying your monthly expenses. And now we're dealing with the ex- the excess and there's the danger that you'll misuse the excess. And so f- certainly for me, and, it, and I can only say this from my own personal perspective, this may not work for anybody else in the world, but for me, understanding where is the excess going to go? If there's any excess, is the thing that sort of protects me from myself. Because I could spend it on a lot of stuff. Uh, and there's a lot of things in this world that if I just sort of let my, uh, my lower brain run, I'd be buying that wouldn't really get me to my end goal. So having an idea of like, where is this excess gonna go when it exists, keep, helps me to keep myself on track and to sort of short circuit my, uh, my destructive nature.
0: Yeah. Can you even imagine Rachel's house would just be full of garlands? Um, <laughs> yeah. Brent, Brent, you could probably, uh, <laughs> we could probably have a conversation about that. But yeah, naming where, where, where every dollar is, 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 is supposed to go or, or giving it a job um, is a pretty popular thing to do with budgeting. And so and I, I appreciate that very much, knowing exactly when there is that surplus, where it's going to be going. It's incredibly valuable. It sounds like you're doing a great job with your budgeting, Brent. Thank you, George. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh,
1: all right. Well, uh, let's leave it at that. George, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, does this sort of thing and in much more detail for companies and individuals and, and anybody who needs it. So, uh, George, if somebody's trying to reach out to you and contact you, how do they find you?
0: Yeah, so uh, I think that the most interesting and the most exciting work, at least from my perspective, that I'm doing, can be found at moneyalignmentacademy.com. So moneyalignmentacademy.com, and that's my. uh, It's a financial literacy, financial wellness platform that I provide to individuals. uh, But it's really more designed for companies that want to help their employees to accomplish really essentially everything we've been talking about today. So just get on the right track with money and start living how they want but you can find me on social media as well for better or for worse. I'm I'm all over there. So yeah. And you can find my contact information there. So always happy to, uh, to chat with anybody. Um, so feel free to reach out.
1: Yep. Sounds good. And we'll put your uh, contact information in the show notes as well. So people can find it there. Well, thanks again, George. Really appreciate you uh, lending your time and expertise and, uh, and sharing this time with us.
0: Yeah. It was great talking with you. Thank, Thank you for having me.
1: If you're enjoying what we're doing with the podcast, please subscribe and follow us on social at Wealth and Law and follow our blog, wealthandlaw.com. See you there.